The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So good to be with you here today in our gathering. I want to add my hearty tidings for a happy new year. And as we continue our worship, would you join me as I pray? God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence with us today in this very moment. And we are asking that we would not only know your presence in this hour, but that we would feel it. And that the truth of who you are would cut through any lies we might believe about ourselves, about others, even about you. God, glorify yourself through worship, through message, and through giving. Amen. 
Ecclesia. Let's continue to worship in song.
morning, Ecclesia. It's such a joy to be welcomed into your home today. As we continue our time of worship, would you pray this prayer along with me as we enter into our time of offering? Almighty God, you created everything in the heavens above and in the earth below. You survey all your creation and you savor its beauty and appreciate its goodness. To you, we lift up the best we have to offer from our time, talents, and resources. We give freely from what we have received from your hand. We give joyfully with the gratitude of a rescued people. We give generously with the excitement of children at play. We join with your mission and with your kingdom. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, hello, Ecclesia family. So good to be gathered with you uh, today online. If we haven't met in person, my name's Wayne. I'm one of the campus pastors here at Ecclesia. And I just wanted to take a few moments and give you some updates on some things that are happening in and within Ecclesia. So one is we are creating some safe spaces outdoors where we can gather together in person. And we've got a couple of options uh, for those for you. So one is we are doing what we're calling outdoor Eucharist every Sunday at our West Side campus uh, at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And this is meant to uh, complement what we're doing online. So it's a great place to sing some songs together, uh, to do some prayers, to take communion together. And then we're also gonna be adding in a short sermon that's going to coincide with what's being preached and taught uh, online as well. Um, and obviously if it rains, it's outdoors. Uh, we don't want to cancel, but if it rains, uh, We'll just have to do that and go back to online. Uh, it just is what it is in this season. Uh, but that has been an absolute gift to do that in person, to do that safely, to see your eyeballs uh, behind masks and those kinds of things. Uh, it's been good for our soul. We would love to see you there. You can go to ecclesiahouston.org and look for Outdoor Eucharist. You can sign up for those uh, to gather together outdoors in a safe way. And then also we're gonna be offering a chance to gather outdoors again at our downtown campus uh, at one of our Evensongs. And the date for that coming up is January 23rd. Uh, we're having three time slots, one at 4 p.m., one at 5 p.m., one at 6 p.m. These have become something that we look forward to every month. It's a really safe way to gather uh, in a large crowd outdoors, very safe uh, to sing some songs and pray some prayers together. You don't want to miss it. Music's always fantastic. And again, you can go to ecclesiahouston.org to sign up for that. And next, I want to let you know about some ways that we're able to connect uh, remotely uh, in, these, in this season. And one of those is that we're starting two new discipleship groups on Sunday mornings at 10, starting this Sunday, actually, today. So if you didn't sign up already, it's not too late to sign up and join. Uh, but one is our teaching pastor, Sean Palmer, is doing uh, the Bible for Beginners Part 2. And they're taking four weeks to look a little bit more at the New Testament this time. Uh, last session was an absolute gift. Uh, if that sounds interesting to you, you would absolutely enjoy it. And then we're also honored that one of our overseers, Betsy Bixby, is going to lead one of the discipleship groups. And this one is called Deepening and Direction. And it's really taking four weeks to examine uh, spiritual formation and transformation and to do some work there. Uh, what a gift that will be as well. So if you're in a space where you're looking to uh, dive more into spiritual formation and transformation, that's something that you will not want to miss. And again, 
you can go to ecclesiahouston.org and you can look for discipleship groups there and you can sign up and be a part of those. We'd love to, for you to join us there. Another way that we're gonna be uh, pulling to people together remotely is our Better Together social work team is offering a online class that's specifically for teachers and educators. We know that this year and this season has been particularly challenging for our educators. And we wanna offer this as a resource to you to get together with other teachers and educators and to learn some best practices, also to hear from what may be working and, and not working, uh, just to have that sense of community that's gonna be on Monday night starting at seven. Uh, and we do have limited space in order to keep that to uh, a little bit more of a small group feel, uh, but we'd welcome you there. Again, it's led by our Better Together social work team, one of whom has over 10 years of experience working in education specifically with children with special needs. Uh, so we believe that's gonna be a gift to anyone who's an educator. It's welcome to all, uh, but you do need to sign up. So again, go to our website, ecclesiahouston.org. Uh, and you can find that there. And then lastly, Ecclesia, I wanna give you some updates on how we're continuing to provide support and care for some of the most vulnerable people here in Houston and around the globe as well. Uh, so we are continuing to provide some meals on a weekly basis to our homeless brothers and sisters here in Houston. And we're also continuing to provide some care packages to them to give them some of the supplies that they need when it's cold, uh, in this season. And there's a way that you can actually participate in that and it's really easy is we've created an Amazon wish list where you can actually go online and you can purchase those items directly. They actually get shipped to our West Side location and then our team's able to, to get those and then offer them whenever we're sharing a meal. Some of the things that they need are basic toiletry items, you can imagine they need a lot of bug spray right now. Uh, and then something else is uh, that they really enjoy right now are things like instant coffee packages. Uh, and you can imagine how much I enjoy coffee, but if it's really cold outside, uh, a warm cup of coffee goes a long way. So that's some ways that we can do that. You can find all the info on that Amazon wish list and the ways that we're providing support to them at ecclesiahouston.org outreach. And Ecclesia, you have been asking us, we've been getting these questions, are we continuing to offer support at the Venezuela border? And the answer is yes, we are still offering support and able to help our partners there provide meals uh, on a daily basis to people that are in desperate need in this time. Uh, and it's such a gift to be able to partner with them and to offer something as simple as uh, a very simple meal and a sense of hope in this season. Uh, so we're so grateful. We're able to do that because uh, you are such a kind, caring, compassionate, and generous community. And so if you'd like to give towards that, you can do that with something as simple as a text message and you can text your donation amount to the number 84321 and you can participate in that. And if you'd like more info about what's going on at the Venezuela border, you can find all the info about that at ecclesiahouston.org outreach. So thank you for your continued generosity in that way. And now Ecclesia, I just wanna invite you uh, to take a moment and uh, to just be prepared. Uh, we're so honored that our lead pastor, Chris C, is gonna take the next few moments and he's gonna open the scriptures and he's got a message from God's word for us. And my prayer and my hope for you is that this becomes something that offers peace in your life, that offers hope, that offers clarity, uh, and that helps to uh, unify and bring us together as one people, as the people of God. So Ecclesia, we love you. We can't wait to see you in person. God bless.
Ecclesia, this is Pastor Chris, and it's my first opportunity to welcome you into 2021. Um, wow. Wow. I hope you, uh, like me, you found a way to have some fun, some socially distanced fun, uh, some outdoor fun on New Year's Eve. I entered the year trying to be so hopeful. And uh, yeah, it's a challenging year so far. And uh, I want to speak to you today about some of the things I think God's called us to do uh, amidst those challenges. And, and for many of us, it begins with a place uh, that we just acknowledge we can't get into fear. Uh, that fear will be destructive for us, that we are, are a people that ultimately because of what we believe in and who we believe in, we actually have nothing to fear. As we look back on the events at the Capitol last week, um, there are some things that I feel like I need to tell you uh, about my personal experience there. Uh, and some of that is framed by some of my reading in the last year. I've been reading a book by a friend, Robert P. Jones, and uh, Robert was writing and wrote a, a scholarly study about the history of white supremacy uh, within the church. It's been one of the heaviest books that I've read over the last year, uh, in part because it's just historical. He, he just lays out the history of uh, pastors preaching, advocating for a white supremacist message. And part of what we know about history, and I'll tell you, it's hard to read. If you want to read it, the book's called White Too Long. And it, and it looks at the church, particularly the tradition that I've come from, uh, Baptist tradition, but Methodist, Episcopalian, Catholic, and the ways that racism and white supremacy um, have infiltrated our theology and that historically in this country, um, we have a number of people that have espoused that. It's become a part of the institution. And part of what you know about history, whether you're a historian or not, is that history has a tendency to what? To repeat itself. And so when we see people uh, seizing our capital, uh, when we see people brandishing um, emblems of hate, Camp Auschwitz or this a logo that says 6MWE that stands for six million were not enough, right? This anti-Semitic message. And many were wearing that and partnering it uh, with uh, other uh, banners and themes and signs that declared the name of Jesus. Now, I got to tell you, this is ridiculous. I mean, just on the surface, let's be clear. Uh, Jesus was a Jewish Middle Eastern man, right? So you don't get to pair Christianity following the way of Christ, a Jewish Middle Eastern man who was fully God and fully human with white supremacy and anti-Semitism. It just doesn't work, right? And so what happens uh, for us as a church, and this is where I, I wanna invite you to respond. I got a couple of invitations for you today. I wanna invite you to respond because what we know is that um, there are enough people that are disenchanted, that are frustrated, uh, that are looking for someone to blame. And that when groups like this get publicity, what happens is they recruit more people to their cause, their evil cause. And what it takes is people like us, Christian people, that understand that to follow Christ is to follow a Jewish Middle Eastern man who came for all people. We are the people that are called to declare that truth and to denounce that kind of hatred. And so I wanna invite you um, I want to invite you not to get super political about your opinions about candidates and policies, and let's all disagree on that. But you know what we can all agree on? Is that white supremacy, racism, is from the pit of hell. And anyone that espouses it 
is espousing something that is so contrary to Christianity that we can't sit with it or be present with it, and we must denounce it. You don't need to get into your opinion about everything, but I'd love to see on your social media feeds, I'd love to see in person and in real conversations, you take the opportunity to say, I stand against all hatred and all hate groups. And in this country, there's no place for it. There's just no place. And then I wanna invite you to do something even more Christian, is that then we look at these people that espouse these awful evil beliefs and we look at them as human beings made in the image of God. As Christians, we're unique in this way. We believe that every human being, even one espousing hate, especially those that we disagree with, that they're made in the image of God and that God loves them. Now, for many of us, you look at, at what was happening in the Capitol, right? Uh, there's one guy in paramilitary that had uh, these zip ties, like big, long zip ties, right? And you look at those and you're like, I know I use zip ties a lot around the house. By the way, they're unbelievably convenient, right? You can fix a lot of things with duct tape and zip ties, right? And uh, most of us realize, I don't, I don't think he was going into the Capitol to fix broken furniture. I don't think he was trying to hold a door together with zip ties. What he seemed to want to do with zip ties seemed uh, much more violent and much more destructive. Now, we look at someone like that and any of us could have the tendency to say, how disgusting, he's on our capital. We have people at Ecclesia that work on that capital. Uh, these are our friends, these are our neighbors, these are our elected representatives. What, what are we to do? And, and it'd be so easy to demonize these people, and this is what I want you to know, is that God has a plan for those very people. I wanna invite you now to pray for those people. Now some of you are saying, is that realistic? Like, would God really, you know, step in and use somebody like that with hateful slogans on their t-shirts? Well, let me invite you into a great story from scripture. This is a story of a terrorist domestic terrorist in his own domestic context in Acts chapter 9. And as the story of Christianity is unfolding, God's doing amazing things. There was massive persecution, and one of the key persecutors was a domestic terrorist named Saul. And it tells us in chapter 9 of Acts that Saul was this fuming, raging, hateful man. It may sound like some of those that were gathered at the Capitol. And this is what he wanted. He wanted to kill every last one of the Lord's disciples. And he went to the high priest in Jerusalem for authorization to purge the synagogues in Damascus of the followers of the way of Jesus. His plan was to arrest and chain any of Jesus' followers, women as well as men, and transport them back to Jerusalem. And he traveled north toward Damascus with a group of companions. Now you can imagine what Saul packed in his bag. They didn't have zip ties then, but he likely had something to bind people with, to chain them, to hold them, very similar. And he went in with intentions to capture people that love Jesus and to do them harm. And you know what happened? God happened, right? And God met Saul on that road to Damascus. And, and when God has a plan for your life, it doesn't matter how filled with hate you are, God's plan will prevail. You know what, I'm gonna pray for our friends at the Capitol, our friends that were sowing destruction is that somehow God would intervene and he might do it as well again supernaturally. And for Saul, what that meant is he was blinded. Right? And in an instant, his life changed. 
And God chose another believer and sent him to Saul, essentially, to live out and share the gospel. Now, this believer was scared to go. Now, I got to tell you, if God tells me to go visit one of these folks that were wearing these slogans at the Capitol, brandishing weapons, I might not be thrilled to make the visit. But you know what? If God makes it clear, I hope that I'll do it and you'll do it. And at the very beginning, at the very basics, the least we can do is begin to pray. And what we know happened here is that the Lord spoke to Ananias. And Ananias said, okay, I'll be a part of whatever plan it is that you have. And before you know it, this kind Christian man who was afraid for his own life because he knew Saul was a terrorist. He was out to get Ananias and his friends specifically. And he calls him in verse 17, Brother Saul. And he says, The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, sent me so that you can regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that very man saw, that terrorist, ended up writing the majority of the New Testament that we read. Now, if God could do that with Saul, I believe God could do an amazing thing in our country in this time. But it begins with each of us standing for love, the love of Christ, and opposing hate. And then, after we oppose hate, I believe Paul himself has invited us into a better way. One of my favorite passages in the letters of Paul is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I want to read to you what Paul says about what it means to connect with one another. Now he's the Apostle Paul. He's no longer the terrorist. He's the Apostle who's been a part of starting churches all across the known world. And he says this in verse 19 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, when I'm around Jews, I emphasize my Jewishness in order to win them over. You see, Paul had become a Christian. He was of Jewish origin, but he was now a part of the Christian faith. But he says, when I'm around Jews, I emphasize the fact that I'm a Jew. Why? Because I connect with them in that place. He says, when around those who live strictly under the law, I live by its regulations, even though I have a different perspective on the law now in order to win them over. Paul says, if I'm around a Jewish friend, I'll eat what they eat. I'll talk about the things they want to talk about. Why? Because I want to connect to them. I believe, Ecclesia, we're a people in this season of divisiveness that are made to look for opportunities to connect, not to look for opportunities to disconnect. Those opportunities are everywhere. Instead, if we'll look for and say, you know what, when I'm around this person, I'm going to seek to be a person that they would want to connect with, they would want to be with. And for Paul, what that meant was, I'll, I'll eat what they eat. And I'll live by their regulations because that's part of what I'm able to do. He says, even though I have a different perspective on the law now, in order to win them over. He says, in the same way, I've made a life outside the law to gather those who live outside the law. He says, although I personally abide by and live under the anointed one's law, right? Paul's saying he lives under the law that we live under, uh, that Jesus established. And Jesus said the great commandment right, was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And you know what I love about Paul is that as he saw Christianity take root, as God guided him and led him, he founded churches that weren't based on rules and regulations. They were based on principles and following the Spirit. In this very letter to the church in Corinth, 
uh, there was a lot of confusion because people were going to these big barbecues and everybody wants to go to a barbecue. These barbecues were a little bit different uh, because they were at the temple where they'd sacrifice meat to pagan idols. And there were some believers that just said, this is awful. And there were other believers that were like, meat's meat, God made meat. And, and Paul invited them, not into a set of rules, but into a way of thinking uh, about how to honor God with their own conscience and what they've been given. That's part of what I love about uh, the New Testament is that it invites us into that kind of relationship. There are places right now that um, you would love to lean on some old rules maybe, but those rules won't guide you well. But Jesus will guide you well. And, and part of what Paul is saying is, when I'm around people that aren't uh, under the law, you know, later on he, he really subscribed to Peter's view, right? Peter had this vision and, you know, pigs, everything were uh, permissible to eat. And uh, I think he's saying when I'm around non-Jews, I might eat with them. I'll be at their table. And uh, thank God that Peter had that vision, right? And, uh, and that we could eat bacon this morning. If you don't eat bacon, I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, maybe if you travel to Memphis once, right, you'll realize like what they can do with a pig is uh, Memphis barbecue is my favorite barbecue, but I love I realize I love all barbecue, every barbecue I love. And what they do with a pig is a thing of beauty, right? It's, it's a gift. And, and Paul's saying, whoever I'm with, I'm going to lean into our commonalities, what we have in common, what we share. And then he says this. And this passage hits home for me. And my guess is it will for you. Paul says, I've been broken, lost, depressed, oppressed, and weak, that I might find favor and gain the weak. I mean, Paul had been beat up. He'd been through a lot of hardships. And I think he knew that as hard as those things were, that God was going to use that weakness, that suffering, to help him connect with other people in the midst of their suffering. Now, I don't know where you are in that journey. It was about a year ago that I entered one of the most difficult crises in my life. And as I look back and realize, like, it's, it's been a year. Um, it's been hard. I had no idea that then a pandemic was coming on the heels of it. I, ha I had no clue. And yet, in the midst of it, what I've learned is that I have a new empathy for the struggles that you have. I've got a new ability to love and care for you. And that when I sit with you in your brokenness, my brokenness connects with your brokenness in a way that I'd never imagined. Now, some of you think, I wish I'd never been through the things I've been through. And I agree. There's, there's a bunch of you just go, I didn't choose this, I didn't want this. And yet here you are, and in your brokenness, will you take the opportunity? When you join Manuel and some of our team and you, you feed some of our homeless brothers and sisters, right? Um, there's a sense in your brokenness that you can say, I'm, I'm not in the same place you are, but my pain's really similar. And it can bond you and connect you. And Paul allowed the hard things that he'd been through, to be a gift in connecting with others in the good news of the gospel. Then he says this, and I think it's beautiful. He says, I'm flexible, adaptable, and able to do and be whatever is needed for all kinds of people so that in the end, I can use every means at my disposal to offer them salvation. Now, I love how he begins, right? He says, as a Christian, this is what I am. I'm flexible and adaptable and able to be whatever is needed for all kinds of people. Now, most of you, 
maybe growing up, especially if you grew up in the church, would say that does not tend to describe church people. I hope you've been around Ecclesia long enough to know. I think it describes our church pretty well. Our staff has been so adaptable and flexible. This year has been hard. It's been different. And yet we're constantly seeking to adapt. Right? We're, we're trying to find new ways to love people and care for people. Why? Because we believe the good news of Jesus is the good news that our friends uh, that were destroying the Capitol and our friends that are living on the streets and our friends in the suburbs of Houston all need to hear. That wherever you are, the good news of Jesus, that he came and he loves all people and that he died for each of us to redeem and save us and give us a real reason to live, not just for now, but through eternity, that that's good news. Paul knew it and we know it. And he says, I'm ready to adapt. I'm ready to do whatever it is to connect with everyone because I believe I'm called to connect with everyone. And he says this, I do it all for the gospel and for the hope that I may participate with everyone who is blessed by the proclamation of the good news. Now, maybe you've heard a version of Christianity that didn't sound like good news. Let me tell you, if it's not good news for everyone, it's not the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ is for all people in all times and in all places. And Ecclesia, I want to invite you in a week that's going to feel chaotic. I don't know what's going to happen this week. I'm not going to give in to fear. I'm going to stand with brothers and sisters. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to watch the news all the time. I'm going to stay aware of what's going on. And, and I'm going to connect with others who know and love Jesus. And this is what I want to invite you to do, to follow the path that the Apostle Paul talks about here and make a connection with coworkers, make a connection with neighbors, make a connection with family or distant family, reach out to old friends from college or high school, people you haven't talked to in a while and do this, have a great conversation. I love this Chinese proverb, it says this, it says, a single conversation across the table with a wise person is worth a month's study of books. I think it's so true. You could do it socially distance. You could do it on FaceTime. Would you find a friend, especially a wise friend, and have a great conversation? A, a great conversation is maybe the only thing that's better than a great meal. But I tell you what, if you have a great conversation over a great meal, now that's worth remembering. Nathan Miller says it this way. He says, there's no such thing as a worthless conversation, provided you know what to listen for, and questions are the breath of life for a conversation. I wonder, Ecclesia, as you think about our rhythms to engage people and to serve others and to break bread with others, what does it look like to be a people, we've talked about this before, that are naturally curious? You're asking questions of others. Do you know the names of your coworkers' children? Maybe you worked with them for a long time and you, you're like, I don't even know their kids' names. I don't, I don't know. Well, you say, because they haven't told me. Well, maybe because you haven't asked, right? And to ask and to share and to engage is a gift. Edward G. Bulwer Lighton says it this way. He says, the true spirit of conversation consists in building on another man's observation, not overturning it. That's the point I want to leave you with. There's a lot of conversations going on on social media and otherwise, that are really about, I'm right, you're wrong, right? That's not a conversation. And nobody wants to have that one. And, and our politicians need to learn from us right now on both ends of the spectrum. They're caught up in, I was right and I was right. And then once they know they're right, they kind of get lost in being so right that they can't do the next right thing. And we're a people 
as a people of the Christian faith that realize us being right is not what it's about. It's about what Jesus has done for us. And so we want to lay those things down and have conversations that are not about convincing you that my way is the right way, but truly about curiosity and learning. I believe this week that if we turn off the news, we do some different things and you'd have some great conversations with people in your home, with your neighbors, with your friends, it would be a gift. I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna invite you to stand up against injustice because we're a people that oppose hate everywhere because Jesus' love is for all people and that we would declare the good news of who the church is and that a week that could be challenging and difficult and truly will be historic, that we will lead and guide by example. Ecclesia, will you pray with me? Lord God, I thank you. I thank you for the ways that you've blessed us. You've blessed us as a church. You've given us a sense of strength and purpose because of our mission, because of who you are and what you've called us to do. And like Saul who became Paul, um, we may not have been blinded on a road to Damascus, but many of us can speak of and look back on a real conversion experience, a time that we came to know your love and that we realized sharing your love was really important. And if we've lost touch with that, especially in a busy year, in a hard year, in a pandemic year, we pray this week we could reconnect with it that we would share the good news of who Jesus is with all people because we believe that brings true hope. We pray all of this together and we pray it in your name. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit we pray, amen. Brothers and sisters, after we've just heard a message from God's word, uh, it's my privilege to invite you to the table, to the feast where we remember Christ's death and resurrection. And I think it's important that in these times, this is something we do every week to remember because we're a forgetful people. And in these days, in these times, I think it's easy to feel divided and to forget that Christ's death and resurrection is actually meant to unify us and to bring us together. And so I'm humbled and honored to get to come to the table today with you. And I just want to share a passage with you uh, before we do this. And this is from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. And the Apostle Paul writes and he says, I passed on to you the tradition the Lord gave to me. On the same night the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread in his hands. And after giving thanks to God, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Keep doing this so that you and all who come after will have a vivid reminder of me. And after they had finished dinner, he took the cup and in the same way said, this cup is the new covenant executed in my blood. Keep doing this and whenever you drink it, you and all who come after will have a vivid reminder of me. And he says, every time you taste this bread and every time you place the cup to your mouth and drink, you are declaring the Lord's death, which is the ultimate expression of his faithfulness and love until he comes again. And so brothers and sisters, we come to the table together today to declare his death and resurrection, to declare his grace and forgiveness over all of us and to remind it as a reminder that his death unifies us, that we all need forgiveness, that we all need grace, every single one of us. And so may this feasting today serve to help unify us in very divisive times. 
And so as we come to the table, I wanna invite you to join me in preparing my heart and you preparing yours uh, by saying this prayer of confession together. And I'll read as a celebrant and you can respond as the people. Most merciful God, we confess to you and to one another that we have failed to love you with our whole hearts. Against you alone have we sinned in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and left undone. We have fixed our hopes on things we know will fade. Free us from every attachment that draws us further from you. We have closed our eyes to the outcasts and the hurting. Restore our sight that in our very neighbor, we would see you clearly. Forgive us, Lord. We are broken and only in you are we made whole and all together. Heal us, Lord, create in us clean hearts, restore in us the joy of your salvation that we would delight in your will and walk in your ways. Amen. So Ecclesia, with whatever you have in your home, let's come to the table and feast together in our unity. This is the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. May you taste and see his forgiveness today. Amen.
Now is that special time in our service where we get to pray for the little people in our lives. Um, whether you have children or nieces and nephews or students that come to mind when we enter into this time of prayer, call them to your mind. Let the Holy Spirit bring up things that are stirring within you about them and all the children in our nation and in our world right now. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the little people that bring light and life and joy with their very presence every day in our lives. We pray that you would use us um, to guide them in wisdom, in kindness, generosity, and peace in this time of uncertainty. Would you help us to be a steady presence of love and comfort in their lives as you love and comfort us. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Sisters and brothers, what a beautiful time we have enjoyed together in God's presence. For our benediction today, I'll be reading a blessing from this lovely book called To Bless the Space Between Us by John O'Donohue. The blessing is rather short, and so I'm going to read it twice. And if you're comfortable, you might consider closing your eyes and offering up your hand to receive this blessing. May all that is unforgiven in you be released. May your fears yield their deepest tranquilities. May all that is unlived in you blossom into a future graced with love. May all that is unforgiven in you be released. May your fears yield their deepest tranquilities. May all that is unlived in you blossom into a future graced with love. Ecclesia, dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.